is there was one day that I broke down, tears broke down. And, uh, and I was talking to my dad. I said, dad, I can't do this. I, this is, I, I just, I thought I was better at this. I can't do it. And uh, I was ready to check out and he talked me off the ledge. Do you ever feel like you're stuck in the rat race? Deep inside, you know that you're capable of so much more. You dream of breaking the chains of your nine to five and starting your own business. But how can you do it? That's the big question. This podcast is here to give you the answers. Join me for a behind the scenes view of the ups and downs as I build my online business from scratch. My name is Paxton Hare and welcome to Escape 925. Today's guest is Jeffrey Gagnon. Jeffrey is a personal trainer by day and he trades options in his spare time. Hey, Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Yeah, so we have a mutual mutual friend, uh, Steve Gotham. I think you're, you've been his personal trainer and, and he's just a buddy of mine. Yep. Yeah, and he trained Steve for a few months. And he recommended uh, you to come on here because you do something that I have no clue what the heck it even is, really, because I'm so ignorant when it comes to the stock market, but you day trade options. Correct. Can you tell us maybe for the other ignorant people like me, what the heck does that even mean? So options are a little complicated. The easiest way to explain it is, uh, you know, when you buy a share of a stock, you're buying a, a tiny piece of that company. You want the company to do better. Their stock price increases. You sell the stock for a profit. Mm -hmm. Options are actually a tool that hedge funds use to hedge their positions, you know, meaning they protect themselves from the downside. So if they hold a thousand shares of Apple and Apple's plummeting, they'll sell options to recover some losses on the way down. It's a, it's a separate market. So, uh, so basically every options contract controls a hundred shares of that company's stock. Options have an expiration share prices don't. So I'll buy options, you know, a few months until the expiration, I need it to hit a certain price point or I lose everything that I put into it. Now, are these so always a, the stocks that are plummeting? Is it always? No, no, case? no. Okay. There's a, there's calls and there's puts calls mean I want the stock to go up puts mean I want the stock to go down. I, I'm called a bullish investor. I don't like to short stocks. I feel much more confident that the markets are going to keep going up. So mm -hmm. I don't short. I try to avoid it. But that's the main reason that that's the main reason they exist as a hedge. Interesting. Now, how long ago did you start doing this? So I've been trading options maybe a year and a half. I got into the market about two and a half years ago. Okay. And uh, it's a uh, I started with the simplest question you could think of. I, I've always had a goal for myself that I wanted to make $100,000 a year before I turned 30. I'm 26. When I got started, I was 23. So uh, I started with the easiest question, how to make money online. <laughs> and uh, I went through a bunch of different articles. Of course, it's all the affiliate marketing and all like the traditional things that you would think of. And I ended up landing on a, on a Reddit thread about the Forex market. It's the foreign exchange market that's trading currency pairs, you know, the US dollar to the, the British pound and all those kind of things. So uh, I started with that. I started studying that and I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Just reading charts and kind of learning about finances, it was cool to me. Mm -hmm. So uh, I started what was called simulation trading, which is trading with fake money. It's the real software. You follow the live markets, but you're not risking actual money. It's really just a learning tool. That's cool. So probably two or three months of that, 
I could not get it. I couldn't, I couldn't make any money. So, uh, again, went back to the drawing board, started doing more research. I, I enjoyed the charts and the analysis and, and the finance world. And I kept seeing videos about the stock market, but I always thought you had to have a lot of money to trade in the markets. So I pushed it off, pushed it off. And eventually I kept seeing this kid named Ricky Gutierrez and he was like 21, 22. Like how, how much could this kid know? So eventually I saw he had like 500,000 views. So I started watching him and uh, everything that I learned in the Forex market translated to the U S markets and uh, it just kind of clicked. So then I started with, started buying shares, with actual getting, money at this point, right? Yeah, small account. Like I started, I think, with about $200. And uh, every time I got paid, I would put 40, 50, 60 bucks in whatever I could afford to throw in there. And a uh, long story short, I started with 200, deposited, grew it until it hit 1,000. Mm -hmm. And then I grew that 1,000 to 2,300. And that was when I realized, hey, I'm actually pretty decent at this. So there's something here. And then it kind of progressed from that. Wow. Now, when you first started this and you were doing the Google search for how to make money online, did you know about the stock market or were you like me? Like, what the heck's an option? That's exactly how I was. I had no idea. When I, it's actually funny. I was talking to a friend a couple of days ago that it's amazing that I look at charts now and I say, oh my God, this is a perfect position. I, I love the setup. And three years ago, I looked at it and said, this is a line on a chart. What does it mean? Right. <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a new language that I've had to learn. I knew absolutely nothing about it. Wow. So it's cool though that I didn't know there was this whole thing where you could get the simulation stuff and just like pretend to do it. That's pretty cool too. Yeah. So brokers use it mainly to kind of get you to use their software because they're going to make money on your commissions. Every trade you pay a commission on. Mm -hmm. So they they have it as a way for you to learn and say, hey, this software is good. I'm going to open an account with them. But I used it just to kind of figure it out. Right. Okay. Now that you've been doing it for one and a half, two years steadily, I mean, are you... Um, are you doing this daily? Is, is it going to overtake your day job at some point? Like, what's the plan with it? That's the plan. However, the hardest thing about trading is the, the skills of trading are a piece of cake. I mean, you look at a chart, you buy it when the stock's low, you sell when the stock's high. That part's easy. The hard part is controlling the emotions. When you see <laughs> you're down $3,000 in two days, you go, oh my God, what, what am I going to do now? And that's when you start to make dumb decisions. You start to maybe... We call it catch a falling knife where you just start to buy more because you're losing, <laughs> but it, does, it doesn't mean it's going to come back. But uh, so my, my plan is to, I currently trade with a $15,000 account. I, uh, I would need, in order to control my emotions, I need to have a big safety net. So I'm thinking probably two years of making at least five grand a month in the market. I want to have a safety net of 50000 and a brokerage account of 30,000. So I'll trade the 30, I'll have the 50 just as a nest egg. That's a, that's my living expenses I've kept low. So I mean, that's a year and a half of living of no income. So once, once I hit those two goals, the 30,000 30, in a brokerage and 50,000 in a safety net, that's probably when I'll do it full time. That's awesome. Now, when you say, um, when you say 30,000 in a brokerage, does that mean that like you're, you're throwing $30,000 into something all at once, or that's just the money in the account there to play with to do the stuff? Kind of both. I like to, I don't like to put more than like 25% of my account in a single position. So I normally leave right now I'd trade with 15. So I normally leave about 5,000 in cash just to see if, if a phenomenal opportunity opens up, I'd hate to be all invested and can't dump anything. Mm -hmm. So uh, just having a, a larger account. Now, obviously I can increase my position sizes from 5,000 a piece to 10,000 a piece. And that's going to double my returns. So. 
And when you said, when you started, you were doing like, what you said, $250, $450. Yeah. Yeah. Not much. Did you take the money that you're using now to trade? Is that all built from that where you just kept growing it and growing it? No. Oh, so, <laughs> so, uh, I trying to think back now, uh, it was about November of 2018. I talked to my dad and, uh, I don't even remember how we got started on it, but I went back to to simulation trading because I once I grew it to 2300, I started doing dumb things with options. Options are they're leveraged 100 to 1, so if you don't know what you're doing, you'll lose a lot of money really quick. Mm. So I blew that $2300 account up. I went from 1000 to 2300 to like $150. <laughs> Lost it all. So I kind of went back to the drawing board and uh, I read so many times that you're going to blow up two or three accounts before you really get it. And uh, so I went back to paper trading, the simulation and uh, practice, practice. And I, when I started practicing and day trading options, it started to click the more I did it. So I went to my dad just as a home run, you know, maybe he'll say yes, maybe he won't. And I said, uh, dad, if I could prove to you that I can consistently make solid money with this, would you ever consider loaning me 30 grand? And, uh, <clears throat> and he kind of paused and he said, yeah, why not? And it caught me completely <laughs> off guard. So for the next three months, I just simulation traded. I didn't, I didn't throw any real money back into it. And I just kind of got my trading system down and I was killing it. And I had unrealistic expectations because I had no emotions involved. It wasn't real money, but I took that 30 and I grew it to a hundred, you know, fake money in mm -hmm. three months. Wow. So, so my dad said, heck yeah, let's do it. Well, the first year did not go as planned. I, uh, <laughs> At my lowest point, I was down like 18,000. And uh, <clears throat> it was actually, there was one day that I broke down, tears broke down. And uh, and I was talking to my dad. I said, dad, I can't do this. I, this is, I, I just, I thought I was better at this. I can't do it. And uh, I was ready to check out. And he talked me off the ledge. And uh, he said, just take a couple days. He said, you know, cut your position sizes down, go back instead of trading 50 contracts, trade five, you know, get your confidence back up. And, uh, and it worked. So from that lowest point, <clears throat> I'm up like $36,000, but it took, you know, it, it took essentially blowing up the account to really get it. And it's a, that's, that's the hardest part to say about 95% of traders lose money, give up and never touch it again. It's that 5% that just keep trying until they find a, you know, a, a, a trading style that works for them. And, and I finally found it just wow. took three years to get there. Yeah. I guess I have this, this personal opinion and others probably do that trading on the market is a lot like gambling because you're obviously you're risking your money here. And as you just illustrated, sometimes you do it great. Sometimes you're not. Are you able to find yourself getting consistently consistent wins versus like 50, 50 or just random chance. Yes. Yeah, so from July of 2019 to today, May 18th, I'm up a little over 200%. So my, my trading style has gotten obnoxiously consistent. I've taken one loss in the last seven months. Wow. And, and is that because you've kind of I guess systematized it a little bit where you're taking that emotion out and you're just doing a set of steps that you know will work? Basically, I, uh, I, stopped, I stopped speculating. <clears throat> I had a really bad habit of, hey, this looks like it could go here. 
I would dump way too much in it initially. It would go against me and I would just cut the loss. I see. Eventually I realized 90% of those trades, had I held them for another two days, I would have made money. But uh, so I, when I cut my position sizes down, I focused really just on, you know, like massive companies on Microsoft, on Apple and Starbucks, those, those name brands that aren't going anywhere. If I, I try to look for a, basically a good deal or a stock price is lower than it has been. It's still in a good, you know, safe range. There's no devastating news on the company and I'll buy contracts that are six months out. And with my general position size, I need a $2 move to make 500 bucks. So I don't need a massive move in the stock to make good money doing it. I just need to give myself a little breathing room to let the stock move. I was zoomed in way too close and over leveraging myself essentially. So when I kind of took a step back and really the, the word they use in, in finance is risk management. Yeah. My risk management was piss poor and it took me, <laughs> it took me, you know, losing a lot of money to go, this isn't working. I got to try something else. Right. So with this scenario that you just described where you've got six months to make it work and, and you said it only needs to move a couple of bucks for you to get roughly, roughly 500. So again, this is my complete ignorance of the whole situation, but do you have to manually go in there and say, it went up, sell, 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 or does it like, is it all auto set to work like by itself? So I manually do it. <clears throat> there are ways to set, you know, alerts for your, for your broker to automatically sell. So if I'm, if I'm trading, I'm in a position in Starbucks right now, if I wanted to get out $80, I could set an alert, you know, when the stock price hits this point, sell it and it will. Gotcha. I don't like to do that because if something phenomenal just happened and it's going to push up to 90, I'd hate to have the computer automatically sell it for me and then look back and go, Oh my God, I left $4,000 on the table because you know, the broker sold it for me. So right. I set, I kind of have like soft limits. So I'll set an alert. So it'll tell me, Hey, Starbucks just hit $80. Then I'll go back in and I'll look at it and I'll kind of determine at that point, does it look like it's going to keep going or should I just get out now? Now you, you did talk, you mentioned the brokerage fees, even when you sell it manually by yourself, are you still paying brokerage fees? Yes. Okay. So uh, the most popular broker for uh, beginners is Robinhood. Most, most people have it now and uh, they were commission free. That was why everybody, you know, loved them. Well, uh, they transformed the online equity world. Now uh, Charles Schwab about six months ago, cut all their commissions down to zero. So you can buy and sell as many shares as you want for free. Oh, wow. It kind of led the entire, you know, banking industry to go commission free. That's just on, on equity shares. So if you just wanted to buy shares of a company, there's no fees. Options, they charge per contract. So I pay, I got my fees down. I pay 50 cents per contract. So that's it. Oh, that's not too bad, I guess, if you're making hundreds and hundreds of dollars on one. Exactly. So if they've cut all these commissions to zero on, on standard stocks, how are, how are they making money these days? That's a better question for them. <laughs> so I know uh, I, use, I use TD Ameritrade. And prior to them cutting their commissions, they charged $6.95 to enter plus the uh, options fees and exit fees. So a traditional uh, position size you know, of 10 contracts was going to be $30 to enter mm -hmm. and then $30 to exit. When they got their commissions, they had to cut them to zero to compete with Charles Schwab. Otherwise, they were going to lose everybody. Right. They lost 25% of their, their revenue. And Charles Schwab did a power move and they bought them. <laughs> so Charles Schwab cut their, cut their commissions to zero. 
TD Ameritrade had to follow. And then they said, hey, we'll buy you back at your original stock price. And <laughs> they said, all right, I guess so. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned that you use TD Ameritrade. Is that like just on their website? Like you just log into your portal and you just set it all up there? Or is it like actual software that you download to do stuff? There's both. You know, for people that don't really trade, that just have you know a retirement account, they can just go onto the website and execute their trades. I use their trading software. It's called Think or Swim. So it's a separate software. I actually do, I, I want to say 99%, but I do 100% of my trading actually from my phone. Really? Yeah, I have my computer, but I, I just like the simplicity of the app better. And uh, that's that's where I do 100% of it now. So all these companies that have these softwares, they're giving you apps these days to do this stuff. Yeah, basically. <clears throat> they're They're competing with each other. Yeah. So instead of scrolling Facebook all day, you're over here trading... <laughs> trading up. <laughs> so it's, it's a, it sounds like it takes a lot of time. And you know, the last two months I haven't been working because of the coronavirus. I've been playing hours of Call of Duty every day. I've been watching <laughs> Netflix. It takes, you know, it takes me 10, 15 minutes to find a trade that I like. And then from there, it's just setting alerts and waiting. I don't even have to stare at my phone. I use mm. those alerts to make sure that it's going the way I want it to. And I check it sporadically throughout the day. I mean, like if I'm sitting there watching TV, I pretty much have it open on my phone the whole time and I'm just watching it, making sure that it's going the way I want it to, but it really doesn't take much time. So even that's optional. You're just doing that because it's like checking Facebook. You're just doing that. That's exactly what it's like. Yeah. You know, you talked about how two years ago, you really had no clue what any of this stuff was. Do you think that anybody out there listening could just pick this stuff up just like you have? Do you have some special ability that, that others don't? I don't want to call it a special ability, but I'm very logical. I have, I'm very good at putting my emotions aside. And uh, that's why most people can't trade successfully. It is tough to watch yourself lose money day after day after day and still say, I'm doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So just, just being able to, uh, it takes a certain kind of discipline. That's really all it is. If you can discipline yourself, it's a, it's a piece of cake. You're a personal trainer by day so that you probably have lots of discipline, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we're, we're we're in the corona COVID pandemic, right? You're not working your day job and you have time to do the trading. Have you been making trades based on some of the stuff that we've seen in the news with the corona like uh, Zoom is rising. We're on we're on a Zoom call right now, but you've got like, you know, probably the toilet paper companies. Is that stuff factoring in at all to what you're doing? I haven't traded any of them. I, no. uh, I, I did trade Johnson and Johnson and, you know, they're a big medical company, but uh, <clears throat> I haven't traded anything in you know, direct relation to the coronavirus, but like I've traded a, one of my favorite ticker symbols to trade is American airlines. They've, they've been on a hard decline for the last like three years, but for some reason I just get that company. And even though they've been, you know, dying, I've made, like 12 or 13 trades on them total. And I've never taken a loss. <laughs> so uh, I've made money on American airlines because of the coronavirus, because of, you know, a 20% sell off in two days, I kind of rolled the dice and said, there's no way it's going to drop again. It's got to recover a little bit before it drops. You know, they, they tend to, to climb and fall in staircases. They never fall off of a cliff. It's always, you know, kind of comes down, pushes up a little bit and comes down again. So I've been a, uh, I've made money because of the coronavirus, but not in a, in a company that's profited off of it. I don't know if it fell off a cliff or not, but what's the, um, the company Elizabeth Holmes did where the, 
they have that machine that's supposed to read your blood. Uh, Theranos. Theranos. Yeah. So you haven't seen the documentaries. Oh my gosh. So there's, um, yeah, it's Elizabeth Holmes was this uh, CEO of this company and they, they were making this device that you could just, I guess, put your finger one little prick of blood was enough to do all these blood tests. It was like this miracle thing. You don't have to draw blood anymore. And anyways, it was all a total scam. It didn't start off that way, but it was, it was like a total scam. And they, uh, they ended up, I mean, they still haven't been like convicted or anything, but there's documentaries on it. There's podcast series on it. There's a bunch of stuff about it. Wow. It, it's, it's fun watch if you're into documentaries, Netflix weekend or something. Yeah. It might some, be HBO. Some, something similar happened to a company called Luckin Coffee. Or Luckin uh-huh. Brands Coffee. It's a Chinese coffee brand. They're Starbucks' biggest competitor. They, uh, <clears throat> their CEO or CFO fabricated millions of dollars of sales. They got Whoops. caught. <clears throat> and their share prices dropped like 85% and now they're delisted. Whoops. <laughs> one of the one of the biggest coffee companies in China just their CEO just destroyed them in a, wow. a day. And so the stock so it is possible for stock to just nosedive. Oh, it, is. it has to be an epic mess up like that. Yeah, so in something like Luck and Brands, I haven't touched because you know, now you have no idea if the company's even making money. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for it to recover. But when things like the coronavirus happened and Apple dropped a hundred dollars a share. Well, it's Apple. They're the biggest right. company in the world, right behind Microsoft. So they're they're not going anywhere. When you see a massive sell off on a company like Apple, who's not directly, you know, uh, effect is not the right word, but they're uh, they didn't have a scandal or anything. It was just they fell with the broad market. They're right. going to come back, and those those are the opportunities that I look for. And, and do you are you looking to buy when they go low? Or are you, maybe you already own some and you just, you're going to hang on to it longer than you would have normally because you need to recoup that. I don't know. Uh, I really don't hold positions very long. Uh, Maybe I'm in and out within a week most of the time. So Hmm. say that question again. Well, if you're, I mean, if you already owned Apple stock and it just suddenly tanked because the market is a whole tanked, okay. would you hold on till it recovered? I assume. Depending on the situation, yeah. Most of the time, and that's why I like to leave, you know, about twenty five percent of my account in cash because if something like that happens, I can add to my position at that bottom, and I don't need it to get back to where I originally bought in. I can get out ten percent lower than I did that I entered because I entered at the bottom. So I, I leave that cash as like my safety net for each trade. And when I, when I get a hundred percent invested, it terrifies me because now I, now I have no way to, to control my losses. Now the, as for back to the COVID thing is, is it affecting some stuff that you won't touch, right? Like you talked about that, the Chinese company, but is there like, I won't touch gas companies right now because they're all going to hell. Uh, there's really nothing. There's nothing that scares me tremendously right now. I wouldn't hold, Really, <laughs> I wouldn't hold like ninety percent of the stocks, you know, long term right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know that we're necessarily done through all this, you know, volatility yet. But, but no, I, I, I don't discriminate when it comes to stocks. Whatever, <laughs> whatever presents itself in a good pattern, and I like it, I'll get into it. I really don't even notice or necessarily care what the company actually does. I so just you're just looking literally at the charts. Like you're yeah. not, e- you're not even saying like, well. You know, then let me lick my finger and test the wind. Oh yeah, the toilet paper industry is going to boom because everyone's out of. You're just like, look at the charts, look at the data, and then make a decision. Exactly. And wow, that's that, the way. That's crazy. That's the way computers trade. They trade on technical analysis. They mm-hmm. look at charts. 
and they're all they're all based on people. All the somebody has to to program the computers. So, you know, if if a stock price has never hit a hundred dollars, it keeps hitting ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents, and then you know dropping down again. When that stock hits nine dollars ninety nine cents, everybody gets out because they say, "Well, hey, it can't break a hundred. I'm going to get out of it." So it's kind of like a, it just those technical levels they hold. It's because every other trade in the world is looking at them and saying, this is a good point to get out because it keeps struggling at this area and everybody getting out pushes the stock price back down. Right. Well, which is kind of like a self-fulfilling prophecy. That's like, exactly what it is. Yeah. That's weird. And there's, there's some, some truth to it. You know, a company's revenue might at their current point might cap them out at a certain stock price because it's the valuation of the company. So if their revenue is not increasing, there's no reason for that stock price to go up. If that company's yeah. not doing better, then they're not going to go up. Just talking to you, that sounds like a lot of people out there are way too emotional when they do this stuff. I mean, I, just because I feel like you hear about all these people losing their shirts on stuff and, and making these investments, it just sounds very emotional. It is. And, you know, you mentioned uh, some people would say trading is gambling. <clears throat> and uh, to a certain extent, it is, especially options, because they have an expiration. You're, they call them bets. Somebody placed an options bet that Starbucks is going to hit this price point. So, uh, you know, the the emotions of that do make a big deal. And it is essentially gambling to a sense. But when you're trading these big companies, Starbucks pending something massive isn't going anywhere. So you can kind of mitigate that that gambling sense by saying, I'm trading a company that's, you know, a household brand that's not going anywhere. Right. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about this compared to say sports sports betting, right? Because with sports betting, you've got two teams, and each team has all these players, and any one mistake could could cause the game to go one way or the other. That's sort of true of companies too, because of the employees. But I guess if you're just looking at these numbers on a graph, and the company's not doing really anything different on a day to day, it's just these fluctuations just happen. I mean, maybe it's, it is safer that way. Yeah. Cause with, uh, you know, with sports betting, it's zero sum. You're either a winner or a loser. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same thing applies to the market. If you made money, somebody lost it. <clears throat> so it's just a, uh, the, the difference between, you know, the market is you have, you have time, you know, where if you're betting on a game, you're betting on one singular game. Whereas if you were to bet on the entire season, you were to say, okay, I think the Yankees are going to win 80 games. It's probably a pretty safe bet. But if you say the Yankees are going to win tomorrow, that's much riskier. You gave yourself no time. Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of like a, it's a broader picture. And that's the difference between day trading and swing trading. Swing trading, I'm looking at the broad market saying, it's probably going to hit this price point. And I give myself six months, but in reality, I need three days. I give myself an obnoxious amount of time to make sure that I, I give it room to, to move. Because I could be wrong. I could take a position. It's happened plenty of times where I take a position, market tanks, and I say, ah, oh, crap, I got to wait a couple of days to get out now. And when you say you give yourself six months, is that, is that just a mindset thing? Or is that actually something you have to set somewhere? So that's, that's the options contracts that I buy. So like right now, my, my contracts don't expire until January 15th of 2021. So I gave myself plenty of time. I gave myself extra time because, you know, we're in a pandemic. <laughs> we don't right. necessarily know what's going to happen on the day to day, but giving myself that 
that extra wiggle room just controls my risk a lot better. But then the you can expensive. sell it prematurely. Is that the oh, idea? Yeah, you, okay. yeah, you can get out of it whenever you want. Okay. So you're saying it's, it's going to, at, at most it will go six months, but I can sell it tomorrow if I want to. Correct. Okay. So yeah, yeah. That wasn't clear to me. Okay. That makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. So I have a, I have a, a price or a, a date where I have to get out of it. And if I'm not, if I'm not right, if the stock didn't go the way I wanted it to, and I let it go to expiration, all of the money that I put into it, I lose. And that's why you said in the beginning, when you started doing this, you were not doing as well because you weren't giving yourself that bigger buffer. Exactly. I was trading, you know, with contracts that expire in a week. So I had to be right that day. Because every, every day it inches towards that expiration, you lose money. Because the chances of that, you know, that trade becoming accurate are slimmer. You took, you took an extra day away. Right. So tell me a little bit about maybe your best and worst trades. I'm just curious to hear. My best trade was actually my first trade with a full-size account. <clears throat> so I had 30000 I took a trade with Apple at like 9.36 in the morning. I sold it at 9.37 for $1,600. Literally a minute later. <clears throat> less than a minute. It was about 30 seconds. I mean, $1,600 in 30 seconds. That was, <laughs> that was my best. <laughs> but I remember sitting, I was actually on a break at the gym. I was sitting, I was sitting at a table in the middle of the gym. And uh, I remember when I finally sold and I looked at it and I'm like, Oh my God, I just made $1,600. I looked at my hands and I was shaking. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. <laughs> so that one was fun. So, so were you literally like you poked the button and buy? She's like, yeah. Oh crap. It just went up. Bing, poke, sell. Pretty much exactly what happened. <laughs> and <then> you... <laughs> I had a, I was holding 50 contracts. It pushed up about 40 cents immediately. And, you know, I said, you know what? I'm not mad at $1,600. And I just got out. Wow. Yeah. If you could, if you could do that consistently every day. Then... <laughs> yeah. That, that was the idea. And then it doesn't go right for three <laughs> trades in a row. And you go, whoa, I'm down $5,000. <laughs> uh, so tell me about your worst trade. Um, my worst trade was, uh, not too long after that, maybe probably about three months later, two months later, something like that. The, uh, the federal reserve chairman, Jerome Powell was, he had a, uh, a conference about the interest rates. You know, the federal reserve was going to raise or raise lower, keep the interest rates the same. And uh, it's a super volatile time, especially when the markets are expecting a rate cut or a rate hike. So I was going to play on that volatility. I was going to, we call it scalping. I was going to get in and out in a couple of minutes, make some money and call it a day. And uh, <clears throat> he starts talking. I don't even remember what the actual you know verdict was, what they did. But the stock started tanking. And I said, perfect. So I went to go buy puts, which is essentially shorting. I wanted it to go down. I was shorting the broad market. So I, I buy my position and I'm looking at it and it's the – I was trading SPY to the S&P 500 and it was tanking and tanking like $4 a share. And I said, oh yeah. And I went back and looked at my positions and I was down like $2,800. I said, what the hell is going on? So I click on my position, I open it up and I bought calls. You accidentally bought the wrong one? I went the opposite way. <clears throat> so you, were, you wanted to gamble on them going down, but you, accidentally, right. <laughs> but, but, but you accidentally clicked the box that says go up. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> oh man. So I'm watching it and I'm like, oh hell yeah, this is this is good. This is good. And I go back and I look, and I'm like, why am I down twenty eight hundred dollars? And I and I look and I see I bought calls and I immediately just had to close it. I said, Well crap, now I don't know what to do. 
And uh, that was actually a pivotal moment in my trading career because that was when that may have been the day where I said, dad, I can't do this. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a, it changed my, it changed my outlook on the market. I said, this thing is going to beat me to death if I let it. <laughs> right. Well, and that was just so, a user error. I mean, you just poked the wrong box, right? That's exactly what it was. But I clicked the wrong box because I was jittery. I was nervous. I was over leveraging myself. I was trading with too much money. Now I was following all the rules. You, the standard is you shouldn't lose more than one to two percent of your account per trade. Well, that was true to me, but I was making thirty-five thousand dollars a year, so eight hundred dollars was a significant chunk of money, even though it was well within you know the safety measures of my account. Mm-hmm. I couldn't control my emotions because I looked at eight hundred dollars as that's a paycheck, that's a full week of work that I just lost in right. you know ten minutes. So it took it took those mistakes to to kind of take a big step back and say, okay, I may be following all the rules, but it's not working for me. So that 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 bad trade changed my my risk management. That was when I stopped doing risky things like that. Yeah. Well, I'm guessing now when you click the button, you're double checking everything. I do. (laughs) Smack that button. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. I've had a. You know, I work. I work in computer science, and I've I've had some some mess ups like that. One time, I was working on a uh, a live production system, and I ran. I was running the command to delete everything, but I was I thought I was running it against our development servers, and I accidentally pointed it at the production box and deleted all the live data. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, I had a small heart attack, I think, and then I was then I started looking for backups, and luckily there was a stale backup. It was like <laughs> two weeks old. Yeah. And I quietly restored the backup. Didn't tell anyone I did it because it was after hours, and uh, no one ever noticed. So wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that yeah, my heart. You, we just, I know how you you probably felt. It's just your heart just goes into your stomach, and you're like, oh god, what have I done? Yeah, <laughs> I I remember just closing it and sitting there with just this this hole in my chest, like. What did I just do? I just made a three thousand dollar oops. Yeah, <laughs> right. That's a costly. Forgetting to check the field before you click the submit button. Yeah, man. A lot of they call it paying your tuition. You don't yeah. get a degree in trading, but you you pay for it. <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah, yeah. You probably have a couple extra grades out of that one. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it makes me wonder because you're talking about this relationship that you have with money when you're going to do the trading and how this is, you know, this is a week's pay for me or whatever. It's almost like you, to help with that emotional aspect, you need to be able to put blinders on to what the money actually means. I, I don't, there's probably no way to do that. But like I know in, um, in mobile games, when you're playing or any of these in-app currencies that they have, where you buy the gems or the coins or whatever, mm-hmm. the reason they do that is because we are not smart enough as humans on the fly to be able to say, well, that's... 30 gems, which is what, how many dollars did I pay for those? Like, you're not smart enough to do that. So you're, yeah, we, whatever, spend it. Who cares? <laughs> right. If you could trick yourself somehow <laughs> to do that with the stock market, then maybe it'd be okay. <laughs> and that's essentially what you have to do. And that's a skill that that's, that's the skill of trading is being able to look objectively at the chart and say, even though I'm down, the chart still looks good. I just entered a little bit too early. And that was, that's the big, that's hmm. when I say controlling your emotions, that's it. Not looking at the dollar amount, 
looking at the actual data. What is the chart telling you? If the chart looks like crap, get out of it. Who cares how much you're down? If it looks like it's got a tumble and there's no reason for it to come back, right. you dump it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that you're right, though. This has to be extremely difficult to control your emotions in all these circumstances and just be like, nope, I am a robot. This is a number. Yeah. I do not care. <laughs> and that's that going back to I want to have a $50,000 safety net. <laughs> so then I really because right now, if I lose money in the market, it doesn't matter because I live off of my my personal training income just fine. Mm -hmm. So I don't need the money from trading. <clears throat> However, if I do need the money from trading and I don't have a, a $50,000 safety net, I'm worried that I will make dumb decisions and I'll say, right. oh, I just lost $1,200 and that's my mortgage. Right. Yeah, that, that that is a risky thing. And then if you start making really decent money doing this and you end up quitting your personal training job and now you're like, yeah, hey, I just made $150,000 this year. I think it's time to buy that new pimp daddy SUV. And then you go, oh, yeah, well, now I need a new house in a fancy neighborhood. And all of a sudden, you've got all these bills and all these, you know, things that you got to yeah. pay. And then you make a bad trade, man. You're a... Uh, it's that's for, scary. Yeah, that's why dude's jumping off bridges and stuff in, in Wall it's Street. That's exactly why. Yeah. You, you know, you get so wrapped up in you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Mm-hmm. Everybody has a bad habit of when you start making more money, you increase your expenses. Yeah. And I've done, my wife and I have done a really good job of keeping our expenses low. I mean, I, I need $2,200 a month to pay my bills. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. That's peanuts. That's easy. That's easy to maintain. So any extra money I have now, I just, <clears throat> I just like, I don't even, this, and this is very new to me. I've always wanted, you know, like the Lamborghinis and like, you know, the, the bad houses and all that stuff. The last two months of not working and being at home has really changed my perspective. I'm like, I don't need the Lamborghini. I don't need all that stuff. I love having my time uh -huh. to just be able to watch TV and work in the yard and take a nap whenever I want to or drink a bottle of champagne at noon. To have <laughs> the freedom to do that is freaking incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Versus like, oh, man, I can't drive my Lamborghini anywhere because what if it gets a scratch on it? exactly <laughs> or my hundred room mansion man i can't i gotta go <laughs> clean all these damn rooms now <laughs> yeah it is a i was listening to a guy named graham stefan and uh he's he's a real estate investor and he said uh he always same thing he always wanted a lamborghini and every time he has the money saved up for it <clears throat> he looks at it and he goes do i really want to waste you know two hundred fifty thousand dollars on a car or do i want to go buy another house that's going to make me money and he said, it's not about buying the Lamborghini. It's about knowing that you could. And yeah. I think that's probably exactly where I'm sitting at right now. I'm like, I just want to know that I could go <laughs> buy something like that. But I don't want, I'm terrified of over leveraging myself and going back to working a traditional job the rest of my life. That's terrifying to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. That's, that's a good advice, though. You know, just I could do this, right? That's, yeah. <laughs> I guess that. So I, I'm big, big time into martial arts. And I kind of have that same view on it, right? Like I don't go around beating people up, but <laughs> I feel confident that I could. Yeah. <laughs> Which is There's, kind of a creepy, weird thing to say, but <laughs> it's, it's the peace of mind. Yeah. It's walking around knowing that if somebody tried to threaten me, I can defend myself. Right. Yeah. Way, if, if I wanted to flex on somebody, I could go buy a bad car, but uh -huh. I don't need to. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and you know, right now, especially with this, the job situation, I mean, Obviously, if you're doing the trading, that's a different world and, and you're not as susceptible to losing your job as you are with the COVID thing. But, you know, if, if you're 
most people out there and you're overextending yourself, you're, you're just asking for it because yeah. I mean, I, I work in technology, still have my net, my day job, right. And I'm working in technology for a Silicon Valley company. And, you know, even that whole space out there is not safe. You know, there's, there's layoffs out there. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's not safe. So you really, you don't want to get too crazy overextended. For yeah. Sure. Uber just laid off like 3000 employees today. Wow. Yeah. I didn't <laughs> think you're did not in, see that. Hey, you think you're in this up and coming, up and coming company that's going to be around forever. And then one bad thing happens and you get the ax. Yep. Yeah. And that's why doing something like you're doing is awesome because now you can, it, it's, it's your own thing. And you, like you said, it doesn't take much time. You can drink yeah. your champagne and watch Netflix instead. <laughs> and you and know, it's, it's, it's recession proof. I don't need customers. Right. I don't need to go find customers. I don't have to, I don't have to spend money on marketing. My overhead is zero. Yeah. That's awesome. Now, do you consider yourself um, an introvert or an extrovert? That's tough because I love talking to people, but I thoroughly enjoy not talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> so like, and uh, <clears throat> when I'm at work and I'm walking through the gym, I know everybody by name. I fist bump people all day. I, I chat to, you know, 50 people a day, but I, yeah, I have a, I have a break from noon to four every day. I work a split shift. So when I get home at noon, I don't want to talk to a person. I come mm -hmm. home. I don't even like what my dogs are making noise because I want to watch TV in silence. It's uh -huh. almost like I need to recharge. To yeah, go back that, that to me sounds introverted because, you know, introverts, the, the misconception is that they don't like talking to people, but they, they do. They just don't draw energy from it the way an extrovert does. So yeah. they need that alone time to recharge. Yeah. Yeah. And it took my wife some time when, I, when we were engaged and she moved in with me. I didn't have cable. I, there was never any noise in my house. Nothing. I had, <laughs> I had a dog. But there was no noise. I never had a TV going. The only noise was what I was doing. So when she moved in and she loved to just have a TV on, the noise started to give me anxiety. Oh and wow! I would, I would come into my office to just be away because I just it took me a while to get used to all that noise. So <laughs> yeah, I do. I'd probably say I'm more introverted, but I, but I have no problem talking to strangers. Yeah, and, and so I, I was asking that question though because of uh, you know the fact that this trading business it's it's like. It, it's almost a dream job in a way because it's like, well, I like you, you know, I'm, I'm pretending to be you here. I like these graphs and these charts and, and figuring this stuff out. So I just go and I flip up my phone, I poke some buttons, I do some cool stuff for a few minutes and then I'm done. I don't have to talk to anyone. I don't have to sell anyone on anything. I don't have to learn yep. any, you know, sales skills or marketing skills. I just poke some buttons and now, you know, rely on my wits and here we go. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a. <clears throat> That's one of the main things that I loved about getting into the market is, you know, back to that, I always had that $100,000 goal. I knew that personal training wasn't going to get me there unless I opened up my own facility. Mm -hmm. And the longer that I worked inside of a gym, the more I realized I didn't want to open up my own facility. Yeah. Cool. I didn't, I didn't enjoy sales. I didn't enjoy marketing. I didn't enjoy all that. And that's what just you like, become doing. I mean, you're not going to be exactly. training anymore. You're going to be running a gym, which is exactly. a different skill set. Yeah. It's something that just did not excite me. Yeah, I had my buddy Chris from uh, CrossFit, Cross, uh, Triforce CrossFit on here um, a couple of weeks back, and he he opened the CrossFit gym, and you know he he's running that thing, but it's in our discussion we talked about it. He's it's not the same, right? Like teaching someone how to work out, running a gym, whoa, totally different things. Yeah, because I like I like 
being by myself, but if I'm going to work with people, I want to work with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I'm going to work around a hundred people, I don't want to sit in an office by myself and kind of feel like Squidward, you know, looking out the window, watching Patrick and SpongeBob play. Like <laughs> that's not fun. I, I, I want to be in the middle of it. Uh, I think this is our first SpongeBob reference on the podcast. Awesome. What? <laughs> uh, at least the first one that I recognized. <laughs> <laughs> you, you had mentioned getting your dad to help you with like alone on, on doing this thing. Have you managed to get your dad into this as well? Like to do it himself? No. So my dad actually was, he wasn't a trader, but he was very involved in the markets. He was a, he was an accountant as his whole career. So he always, he always invested, but mainly just long-term investing like a retirement account. Mm-hmm. So he, he made trades, but, uh, <clears throat> but he does follow it more, you know, more intensely now that, I'm actively doing it because him and I are the main account that I trade out of is a joint account. So him and I are both you know, the, the account holders. So gotcha. every time I make a trade, he gets a notification on his phone too. So he follows it, but he, as far as I know, he doesn't do it on his own. So if you lose a lot of money, he calls you and he's like, what happened? What's wrong? No, so <laughs> that's probably my favorite thing about it is he doesn't. He trusts me completely now that, you know, when I was down at the beginning of the coronavirus, I was down $6,000 in like three days. The market uh-huh. just tanked. Right. And uh, and he wasn't worried. I wasn't worried. I'm like, I said, I'm going to wait for it to bottom. And we chit-chat about it. <clears throat> but I said, I'm going to wait for it to kind of bottom out, find some support. And then I'll start buying more and getting and recovering those losses. And hmm. I was I was back green within two weeks. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, let me ask one more question before we, we wrap up here, which is, is there any type of like how to say continuing education that you're doing to get better at this? Like, do you keep like online courses or videos or things, or is it just the practice that makes you better? I think it's just the practice. I mean, I, uh, one of the, I don't want to call him a mentor, but a guy that I used a lot for, uh, for personal training, he drills into your head. What is it called? Uh, procrastination by preparation over-preparing, constantly studying, constantly reading, and never actually doing it. Mm-hmm. I've learned so much more of just, you know, just being involved in it. And I, I'll research things here and there, but but the vast majority of my my knowledge now comes from doing it. Yeah. I, the more that I do, the more I see this doesn't work, or when this pattern shows up, most of the time this happens. So I don't necessarily do any studying anymore outside of just the actual trading. Yeah, uh, procrastination. Preparation, procrastination. I've also yes, heard sir. it called analysis paralysis. Yeah, that too. That too. Well, Jeffrey, I really want to thank you for coming on here. This has been awesome. It's been educational. I mean, I've, I, I'm something I'm, I'm now going to have to think about looking into just because it's uh, it, it sounds like it's you know an introvert's dream. So it is. It's exactly what it is. <laughs> thank you for being on the show and uh, and take care. Absolutely. Thanks a lot for having me, man. This is the part where I ask you to tell a friend about the podcast. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate you. And I'll catch you next time.